coffee fuck yeah as do i what a coincidence unplanned but relevant how's your day been my day's good dude i uh slept in and i got my family and now i'm recording the first episode with you which i'm pretty psyched yeah i'm fucking stoked dude i just ate an omelet and uh just been up watching youtube all morning you know nothing productive or exciting <laughs> so i thought we'd start with a little intro um my name's dylan cervantes yes it is as far as i know well okay yeah as far as you know <laughs> my name's micah hawk lowenstein longest name in the galaxy yeah, well, it's important that you get the full name in. That way you can get a little perspective on who you are. Yeah, you can look me up. I yeah. Go by Great. Mike Cock most of the time. Mike Cock. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't say it too fast. <laughs> Just don't tell it to Google when you're looking up his name. Especially not Siri. <laughs> Siri would be fucking that shit up. Um... <laughs> Okay, so uh, do you want to kick it off, or should I? Yeah, is that are we going to use this intro, or are we just are we just run it? Yeah, fuck it, why not? Okay, well in that case, uh, I like it. Welcome to the Roaring Graven Podcast, episode numero uno. Yes, number one. So why are it's we doing official. this, Dylan? Why are you doing this? Okay, um, yeah, I'll give you a little set the scene for myself. Um, I'm 24. I live in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, I graduated with a degree in finance. It's not relevant because I have done absolutely nothing with it, but just to give you a perspective on who I was or who I was trying to be, who knows? Um, fuck, I'm doing this because I have too much to say <laughs> always. And um, I've never really been a person who's like big on social media. I think I've got maybe like five or six posts in the history. And since whenever all that jazz started, um, never had a Twitter. Actually, that's not true. I had a Twitter for like two weeks, but I didn't really use it because I could already see where that shit was going. It was was getting too wild for me out the gate. Um, but uh, yeah, so I've never been big on like public presence, but uh, I'm a talker. <laughs> if anyone who knows me knows that I'm super opinionated and I've got a lot to say and I just wanted to get it out so I figured I'd cover everything from politics to comedy to sports to whatever current events whatever's hot whatever's on the mind and I'm feeling hot about some issues so that's why I uh, figured we'd get on the mic and see who else is hot I'm hot how about you my man I mean, I'm I'm mostly along for the ride. This is your little brainchild, and well, I'm 24, also from Albuquerque. Was a mechanical engineer in my past life, and in your past, my life. past life, <laughs> I'm so old. And um, I feel like you and me have had a bunch of discussions that were 
exciting to me but then there's always this question of like how relevant is any of the things we're talking about you know are we just flippantly communicating about bullshit that only applies to 24 year olds in albuquerque or is there like actual substance to what we're saying and what we're aiming for you know and so for doing a podcast i feel like kind of raises the bar a little bit you know to say like hey here are our ideas and here's what we're talking about and maybe you'll agree or disagree but we can actually get feedback and figure out what's true because i think both of us are interested in like what is actually relevant what ideas are actual solutions and what things need to be shared and what things need to just stop and it's hard to you gotta recognize we're just two guys talking at some point so getting out in the world and getting some feedback seems like a great way to offset that obvious bias and it, and a great way for us to stay connected especially in this quarantine world but furthermore in just the, the project we do together right yeah dude that was super well put damn i'm glad you went second um <laughs> that way we could really set the scene oh yeah and also to set the scene i think eventually we'd like to do you know like a youtube version of this but prefer to be sitting together for that i think the zoom stuff is i don't know it's just I, I've, I've watched a lot of people try to do the zoom jazz and it just it degrades the quality i would in my opinion it definitely and it's more just, fun it's just a side little bit by harder. side for sure yeah for sure we're zooming now you know just so that we can see each other get some social cues but um in case uh you can't see us because you can't um i want to set the scene i look like uh i think i look like an andrew santino if you know who that is but like italian <laughs> so andrew's ginger but you know similar body face all right just just darken him up and lather me with some that I'm like you know, uh, uh, Native American Keanu Reeves, who's only five foot seven. Dude, dude, I literally—if you weren't gonna introduce yourself, my first thought was like, if you made Keanu Reeves like slightly Native American and added the Jewish and, nose, it's basically and me. Jewish, it's you, <laughs> dude. That's wild. That's exactly who I think you look like. Dude, especially with that's the, funny the that hair you say growing that. Out, no haircuts in the last. X amount of months, it's definitely getting Keanu over here. Matrix is my favorite movie, so I've I've been looking up to him forever. It's been it's just a matter of time. Fuck yeah, I love Keanu, dude. He's a killer actor. You look like John Wick over there, especially with those glasses. About to fuck some shit up. I like it. So um, we we didn't really discuss our intros or anything, but we did decide um, generally on on what we talk about today. Just a general topic. I sent you a list of a gazillion issues that i'm hot about yeah you had everything um, from epstein to the economic crisis to, i was like bro this is like too, this is too much for one episode <laughs> <laughs> it's true it's true i don't know yeah. enough about half these topics i'd have to do be researching all week but we're, we're gonna get down on him we're gonna get down on him but we thought we'd go with one that was easily from the heart no research and that is but um, cancel, cancel culture. culture. God, it hurts. It's a. I I want to say I predicted this when I got off Twitter, like, whenever that was. I don't know. I know they IPO'd in in 2012 from like finance classes, but I don't know when Twitter actually came about. So somewhere around then. But it, it's it got vicious immediately. 
and I was like, okay. It's well, been a it's go. been a rising it's been a rising issue for sure. I feel like, you know, we should just straight up go ahead and cancel ourselves off the bat because I think neither of us are good or even put much effort into being PC either direction. I think we both care about being kind and compassionate and hearing when we've like legitimately hurt someone but following arbitrarily set rules for every scenario uh never been our style yeah i would say we neither of us fall under the umbrella of pc like i'd like to think that we're we're at least mediocre people but um let's say in the bar high yeah i just smacked the shit out of my knee but uh yeah not in the sense that if I spat all my ideas out, which are going to happen, that you guys are all going to agree with them. So I'm, we're prepared for this. I don't cancel. agree with all of your I, ideas. I know, which is why we're doing this. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd just be talking by myself, man. I need your input on uh, how wrong I am. But I just wanted to set the tone for all you people out there who are going to try and cancel us. Get after it. Get about it because we're i'm ready no one knows who we are no one knows where we came from we got nothing to lose everything to gain probably just gonna be our moms listening to this (laughs) our moms might cancel us (laughs) that's okay we're ready for it we're prepared we're coming in the game from the bottom the underdogs i love it so um i was thinking about some like hot topics of of recent like current events that relate to cancel culture just to get the ball rolling um just to have a place to start and the first thing i was thinking of because it's probably the most recent is the whole ellen jazz i don't know if you've heard anything about that i used to be an ellen fan when i was young i haven't watched it in a long long time but she has been brutalized yeah i've I've, i see it on the the snapchat daily mails that i embarrassingly scroll through when i'm sad and depressed Mm -hmm. and i see all kinds of (laughs) comments on how ellen is a terrible boss and a horrible human being and dude i don't know i feel like they're it's probably all true (laughs) maybe it's all true but she's also been hilarious as shit and like that those kind those two kind of come together so yeah so who's who's like really stoked on their boss like how many people are like yeah my boss is the shit when they tell me what to do i love it i've never they're had never it. harsh I've, they're not me i've never right and the bigger the company gets it feels like like the bigger role they have she's el presidente bro she's head honcho the bigger it gets i feel like you're more inclined to think that person's a fucking asshole because they just have a lot of power and responsibility to deal with i'm not saying that everyone who has power is an asshole but it's your boss so how much do you have to like them yeah that's definitely that has to play a part and i feel like like the only the only controversy that i actually heard about was her comparing being stuck in her home to being a you know a prison sentence and people were like you live in a x million dollar home like how dare you <laughs> compare that to being in a prison, you know, like it's totally tone deaf and all this stuff. And I feel like 
first of all she's at least got better food it's got a lot better food probably better views <laughs> the pool's a lot nicer and present and she has a significant other living with her i just feel like that's that's like great uh an obvious obvious that she's like stupid right like she's disconnected from what most people are living i don't think that's reason i don't think that was a racist comment you know i don't think it was a a terrible human comment it was just like she's obviously disconnected or was making a joke but it wasn't it seemed completely overblown like yeah but what super rich people especially in hollywood aren't disconnected in some way from regular people they have to be because have to they're be. not regular people yeah at some point i mean that's they're the rich goal. they're famous they live by a different standard their whole goal was to separate just... themselves and not live like the rest of the rest of us peasants down here so down here at the bottom speaking of peasants and prison i was in jail for about a half a day um, as a volunteer for a friend, but I ate that bologna sandwich and that was the worst fucking thing I've ever tasted in my life. <laughs> Literally the worst fucking thing I've ever tasted. So, you know what, Ellen? That might not have been the right call. But at the same time, dude, I don't give a flying fuck if she feels like this sucks for her being locked down. Honestly, because if you're really locked down, it, it does suck. The whole thing's been weird. But what I, I heard, I didn't hear that one thing, so I'm just reacting to it now. What I heard was more that her production team was a bunch of assholes, I guess. And then to guests, and then that some of the people on her staff thought she was an asshole to them. So that's why I thought, well, whose boss isn't an asshole? And then if it's her production team, that's it's not really her, right? She just hired people who are efficient and like sturdy at their jobs and, and get to the point. Maybe. They might just be assholes, but maybe they're just trying to do their job efficiently. It's a pretty big show. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like at some point either – like if she had a bad show, if her show was like declining and people are saying that her show's trash and stuff and like that's – that would be totally reason to get rid of her. But I haven't – I see her show, you know, whenever I'm free at whatever it is, four in the afternoon. <laughs> I think my mom watches it religiously and it's, it's – uh, it's always funny you know it's it's prime time tv it's doesn't like blow my mind but it, i definitely chuckle you know and like i rarely feel attacked by whatever she's doing i used to watch it with my mom like when i was a kid and we liked that show we used to watch together now i see it when i'm sitting in the waiting room at like a jiffy loop or some <laughs> shit <laughs> it's just on in the day it's like that and judge judy just something you'd see in the background but i i thought it's so interesting a lot of people have said she's an asshole but at the same time is it is it because she has such a nice persona on camera that it's such a big deal or is it just that a powerful person is an asshole that's a problem what's your opinion oh that's a good point i mean maybe it's just like the juxtaposition right because definitely her on-camera persona has always been you know very open arms you know you know very accepting person brings all kinds of people on yeah comes in dancing and then she to hear that she's actually she actually might be an asshole behind camera is probably a shock to a lot of people because that that might be what is more upsetting to people than anything 
I couldn't imagine being just her the polarization either, like, of character versus like what she portrays on camera. Yeah, yeah, I think a lot of people would like that to be the same, you know, and it rarely is. Like that's proven itself over and over again that people are rarely there on-camera persona except for us obviously because we're not on camera yeah because we're not on camera well i mean technically we are <laughs> and but we're, we're, for y'all we're still purposes, in the we muck aren't. we have not circumcised <laughs> ourselves off into the upper echelons of the wealthy and mighty quite yet so so what i heard one thing was a like one of her guests was mad because they tried to talk to her in the hall like on her way to set and she just ignored them and was like you know do your shit we got to get ready for the show like do you think some of it is just her being the production team leader like she's just trying to get this going get it ready so like if people are trying to talk to her in passing like it's a lot of responsibility to get it all ready and maybe she's just in the middle of trying to do her job and then when it, she's like, I saved the conversation for on air, like when we're going to do it. I'm sure that, I mean, at some point, being that successful is a huge burden, right? Like, just me thinking about it abstractly is at some point, you got to ask yourself, why would you want to be that successful? Why would you want to be the the spokesperson that has to be on 24 7 you know her her it's not like her life is is i'm sure it's easy as far as like lacking in pain and suffering but probably is jam-packed all the time like most people don't have the like energy or mental resources to like a ceo who works a hundred plus hours a week most people just wouldn't do that right and so like at some point god no she's the happy person on the screen and on the other side she's a business mogul who's working her ass off to keep herself afloat and i don't maybe probably not i would be hard pressed to say it's a burden but certainly like that has to be part of her personality is the type of person willing to constantly be pushing her her business and her schedule and maintaining all of that is probably half of her personality and so passing in the hallway she's just gonna you know she's got somewhere to be she has it planned down with five minute increments you know gotta yeah. get done busy ass schedule she's a power she's got shit to do mm. she's busy i agree um when you say that her life probably doesn't have a lot of burden i completely agree but you also got to think that that's now think about how much burden she went through as a young gay comedian trying to come out in television and be like this prophetic you know gay personality like when there wasn't a lot of them um and trying to do it without being judged heavily you know she kind of paved the way for for people to be cool with people being openly gay on tv and just almost to the point where you don't even look at her as that anymore she's just ellen but that's what she started as like that was her niche so i imagine she had some she has some built up like anxiety and pressure from trying to break through hollywood from that position to where she's at now so that it's like hey you can't fuck this up for me i had to work so damn hard it was probably harder for her than other stand-up comedians to come out at the time that she did mm-hmm. um and like pave the way 
So maybe she just harbors that chip Certainly. on her shoulder, like, I, "Hey, I gotta do, I gotta do my business, and I gotta keep this going. I worked hard to make this happen." So I guess to to bring it back around to cancel culture, you have someone who, you know, didn't start out in any kind of easy scenario, climbed herself up into a place in the social hierarchy that most people are at least outwardly wishing to be in, right? To be a star, to be super wealthy and to have your people know your name and all these things. And now that she's there, she you, she's more scrutinized than ever. I mean, I think, and it, it's obvious that anyone in that position, you know, you and me aren't going to get scrutinized that hard for anything we say, you know? And as you as you climb up in the social hierarchy, you're gonna get scrutinized more and more. You know, do you kind of? It's almost like a a democratic. Uh, do you belong in this position of power? You know, of this like cross examination. And so, at what point is that just right that the public would judge your actions? And at what point is that? Does that open the door to just like jealous rebuking? You know. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, there's yeah. like there's two sides of it. On one hand, you want to the public should have some say in the success of someone that they're promoting, right? Like, if someone does something Definitely. terrible, and the studio doesn't want to get rid of them, but the public speaks out. I mean, that's an important check and balance against a crazy person, you know. But on the flip side, it could easily be just someone that lots of people that have been waiting for the chance to buy to Ellen, and she finally made a slip. And now she's going to have her throat cut and drained for some just stupid comment, you know. And so that's where this kind of balance point that we have no idea how to interact with yet is. Yeah, because people want to see someone more successful than them taken down a notch. Mm -hmm. Especially, you know, there's some inherent jealousy in all of us for the people that we'd like to be like that we're not. Certainly. And then at that point... um, I do agree that there's got to be a culture for, you know, the fans being able to dictate who they like. But at the same time, if there are enough fans still interested in watching her show, does that mean the network should cancel her? Does that mean the show should come down because people who disagree with her are more outspoken about it? Or that because she's a famous figure, the outspoken people are getting a shine? Does that mean she should be taken off air? Or does that mean if you don't like her, just don't fucking watch her show? I mean, it's it's a... It's the question of the hour, right? Because I think... I keep thinking, ever since we brought up the, the prison thing, I've been thinking about this idea called... Um, it's pretty widely known. It's called the Penopticon. It was a designed for a prison where one watchman stood in the center and he could see all of the inmates but none of them could see him and the oh damn and the point being that the design was that the inmates knowing that they could be seen at any moment but didn't know when they were being watched would start to act as if they were being watched all the time because that's the only sane thing to do at some point you know like if you're going to get punished for doing something 
and you don't know if someone's watching you, but you know someone could be watching you, it generates this kind of, you know, God's watching you all the time complex in the inmates and keeps them yeah, in mind, me... keeps them, they, they control themselves, basically. And Will you clarify that for me real quick? Because I'm actually not familiar with sure. the study. I mean, the only study I know of is that Stanford prison study that we learned about in psychology. But um, so you're saying the the inmates do or don't know that someone is watching. So the inmates, it's like they have a one-way mirror in their room. And so they know that any right. given so moment. Right, so they're assuming that, yeah, someone's probably looking right. at me. And, but the reality but is that certain. one guard is watching the entire floor of inmates, right? So, But by creating the illusion that they could be being watched all the time, they end up acting as if they are being watched all the time. And so do they in this study do they behave better because they're being watched all the time or do they lash out because they feel the pressure of you know being watched and being scrutinized well i think the i don't I, it's it was it was a design i don't know i didn't read the study i just read about the person who came up with this design for the prison and it was kind of expound i was reading something about uh michael foucault i think is his name he was a French philosopher who was talking about this pentopticon in the modern era was that – so at some point – so you have all these people thinking they're being watched. And I'm going to go ahead and say that what they did was they acted like they're being watched all the time. You know, They, they weren't beating up each other. They weren't – whatever they were going to do in their private space of their home cell, they were no longer going to do because – they had to assume someone's watching them all the time, you know. And I might be, if it were me being watched all the time, I'm gonna get a little paranoid. I might even act worse if I felt like I was being watched all the time. Certainly, like you I'm might... pretty unapologetically me in general. <laughs> but but like if I knew someone was watching all the time, if everything I said was being recorded, I might lash out a little bit on that. I might be like wiling out just to see if they're watching. Sure, but I mean, at some point you are still in this particular scenario. You are still in the prison, right? So you 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 bust the window down. You 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 get solitary confinement or whatever punishment is set up, right? So it's it's not just a one way loop. It's a feedback loop of like every time you do something shitty, you get caught, and then you don't know when you're not going to get caught because there's no dark corners of your cell anymore. So you just you just sit there, you know, or you 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 kid you you self regulate yourself under the guise that someone's watching you and the michael foucault guy so took it to the next level and he was saying you could imagine if if you expanded this out to a whole society where the, well, there is no more king there's no more guards there's no more police officers walking around controlling you right so if there's no police officer you do whatever you want police officer shows up you you strain strain up right and he says at some point the power kind of shifts to the people where if you convince the the masses that they should be good people and part of being a good person is watching the people around you, you start to get this panopticon scenario where your neighbors are going to snitch on you if you're smoking weed oh. on the front. And so is that not the scenario that we already live in though? I think it, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty known that yes the government is watching you and the reason that you would not act out or misbehave other than being a good person or disagreeing morally with the situation if it was something that you would do that's perhaps against the law like smoking weed 
which I would do, um, just to throw it out there. But you might not do it in front of a cop, right? right? So isn't that the society we already live in? I mean, I think it's not i don't even think at this point it's conspiratorial to say that the government watches everything with all those releases of what the nsa and cia can actually listen to and and be a part of i mean at some point you're being watched pretty regularly especially with these devices in our hand that track every bit of what we like what we do what we say it has a front-facing camera and microphone that most apps actually require you to have on at all times right. and can access right. I think we certainly live in that we're more and more in that world every day for sure. And I think to quickly um, uproot the conspiracy theory part of it is that at least in Foucault's version is he says that the real danger isn't the government watching you. It's the fact that your your neighbors are watching you. And if you're and so if you're if your neighbors and you could your neighbors being someone on Twitter responding to Ellen, right? That's that's where the real power is, is that in a democratic society, even if there's a powerful federal government behind it doing its own thing, that at the end of the day, it's your community that's going to start, con- you know, controlling you to some effect, right? You you act out of line, and if you... If it so becomes now apparent, social media yeah. is our two-way mirror. Exactly, exactly. In this scenario. Everyone has a two-way mirror on both sides of their room, and social media, your social media is you. It's your voice. It's your inner self. Everyone's watching what you have to say now. Right. That makes – well, that's why I don't post too much on social media. But um, it makes sense. At the same time, I do think it creates I, – I think that scenario is really relevant because I do think it, it influences people to say things – publicly as if they are being watched Mm -hmm. so that's a pretty interesting study because i i don't think people are always saying what they truly believe or if they are they're only shooting out the part that they feel will be publicly accepted by the neighbors watching them next door they're not really giving their whole truth it's just a oh fuck that i disagree with this or oh you're horrible for saying this but it doesn't really elaborate on their entire truth yeah, I think we you we all create personas to to operate, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, because at some point you're never going to be exactly who the people around you want to be, right? But then there's a there's a there's a balancing point where you don't want to be your persona if that's all that you are is the the way you interact with the outside world, then you become a. a you know, it, you become the sheep, the drone, the the mindless God. horde sheep that people we have been clamoring against with, you know, since Big Brother, probably before that, right? It's the don't don't be just another one of the people who doesn't have a mind. You know, think for yourself, and and I think it's harder to do that when our forum for action is these hyper exposed communities on the internet hyper exposed but also very short in very short form yeah like in this scenario right now we're in long form joe rogan says this all the time but in long form you have the ability to elaborate on your ideas versus you know a tweet i don't know how many characters you get but it's very short and you put out these little statements and people can 
essentially create a personality around a two sentence statement mm -hmm. that you've made versus being able to explain how you came to that what a, you know what scenarios what experiences allowed you to believe that this statement is true instead it's just here's my statement and everyone attacked that statement but it's so impossible to truly explain how you feel about any subject in the world in two sentences seriously and i think it it's it it goes beyond just a an annoyance on twitter right like on twitter it's annoying if you say something and someone takes out of context and blows you up for it and you're like that's not even what i meant or let me explain myself and they've already made up their mind is it once it moves into the the political realm and how one should act it becomes uh blinders right like my i i have i know plenty of people i'm i'm very liberal as far as how i think the the policies should go and i know you're more conservative and that doesn't bother me but what bothers me is there's lots of people on both sides that here already have their mind made up about something right well because they hear one statement and you're already assigned to a category right if i say one thing everything i think is far right if i say one thing on the left everything i think is far left mm -hmm. and um i was listening to someone is an evolutionary biologist i'm not even going to name the name because you know people may or may not like this person but Brett he said that people it is Brett <laughs> so too late uh, <laughs> i don't know a lot of evolutionary biologists that are famous so um but he said you know everyone on the right has figured out like the idea how how people separate it is people on the right have figured out personal responsibility and people on the left have figured out public responsibility and so what i thought was so amazing about that is yeah a lot of conservatives focus on like what can you do to be better and be more successful and create more for your family and your life and achieve more and on the left it's a lot of you know what can we do for the community to make sure everyone's better and how can we hold everyone accountable so that everyone's on has the same amount of success or to make it so that we can try to level out the amount of success just in terms of welfare like well-being right not necessarily like if you're on the left you can't be a successful person i got in a debate with um nick's parents the other day a good friend of mine his parents uh lawyers incredibly smart people both very liberal and um they're people i was willing to you know talk politics with because i know that they're well educated enough that if i say something they disagree with they'll come back at me with their point instead of just saying how the hell could you say that right and so we got into this long talk over dinner and it was really nice because although we emphatically disagreed with a lot of things politically um never at one point did they try to say you know get the hell out of my house or you're completely wrong they just said this is how i feel and i said wow that's it's really interesting to get a perspective because most of the people i know who tend to be more on the left I would say are younger are in the younger generation and the less affluent generation so it was nice to talk to people you know who are well educated and affluent not to say that most liberals aren't I just would say that 
they're a younger most generation. liberals you know for sure yeah that i know right. yes exactly so it was nice to talk to someone that i do know who well what you did know, you walk away with? is successful in their own right um but also believes a lot in community and and common welfare and things and i i pitched some of my ideas to them kind of how this podcast uh, came about was that we had a three and a half hour conversation where i was rambling off all the things that i would do to change politics all the laws that i would initiate and so i i hit him with a couple of them you know i we went over health care and a bunch of different things and i just i thought that uh man these are smart people who are able to make good points that couldn't disagree with me more <laughs> but aren't gonna just tell me to go fuck myself right because of it well the jewish phrase is steel and that's what steel, we need more right of. the ideas ideas yes. sharpen ideas and you want to put your ideas to the test and find out what happens because so what what did you i think i have here i'm I'm flipping through my notebook from the other day (laughs) your list of all right how dylan wants to change the world it was a good list i don't have it in front of me but if you want to spit them off i'm i'm happy to let that be oh here it is all right dylan steps to fix the world or at least the u.s (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah just the u.s i can't haven't gotten that far yet <laughs> number one number one a maximum and minimum age requirement for representatives something like 35 Especially to maximum. 70 which i think is totally reasonable you don't want some old senile man um <clears throat> or someone that's <coughs> too young that doesn't know it's you know doesn't have the respect of his community quite yet i think that's okay briefly before we go to two yes and i know that we could talk more about this but that was one of the things that we disagreed on obviously they're you know heavily in favor of voting for uh joe biden given the landscape of what we have yeah of options we've got and this is my perspective we've got a douchebag and someone who just isn't there anymore and I would say a puppet. We've got a puppet and an asshole. I, you'd be, I think you could easily argue that the the asshole is also a puppet, but it, it's certainly not. It's not the dream. There's not the, the dream only reason I on either side. I think that's. Yeah, it's fucked. We're it's it's rough either way. I don't want to put out there that I like either person in any way, shape, or form. But I can separate that from policies and ideas that they have. Joe Biden has pitched. He used to be very articulate. I've heard a lot of him, you know, he's had great, great debates in the past. And he has said a lot of things that I completely agree with policy-wise. And so has Donald Trump said a lot of things that I completely agree with policy-wise. And a lot of things I completely disagree with. But it's weird that we can't separate those things. And what was nice was, although they completely disagreed with me, I was speaking about a couple of things politically policy wise that trump has enacted that i agree with whilst you know still being able to say that i really really don't like the guy and it was nice that they were able to say okay you know he's a fucking dickhole they have a they had a trump pinata in the backyard (laughs) just to give some with a swastika on the on the tie so they don't like the guy but they were they're so intelligent and you know, reasonable enough to let me say the policies that I agree with without thinking that I'm, fuck yeah, this guy's the shit. Let's keep him in office for a billion years. 
So what what's a what's a policy? What's one policy you agree with Biden on, and one policy you disagree with Biden on? Um. God, and I'm, I guess I'm political. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I'm political. I guess we'll, we'll, you just we'll said it. you argued um, with your friend's family. So like one one policy. Well, it was a, I was going off of a Trump policy that I liked, and that's what we were arguing on. But um, one policy that is hot right now that I would say that Biden agrees with that Trump doesn't, even though Trump was a donator forever until he ran, a sponsor of of the movement of the Democratic Party of everything involved with this until he ran for president. And all his things changed because he knew he had to cater to a specific audience to get voted in. Um, is abortion? I'm pro-choice to the T of all max. That could be one of the most important issues in the world. And the fact that he ha that Trump has to change his opinion publicly from what he said his entire life and supported, so that he can get these voters on his side to this point where he would. Um, be willing to overturn that in this next, uh, you know, election year. That's one of the hot debates that he's going to put people in cabinet that would overturn. Um, God, do Roe you know versus what it's Wade. called? Roe versus Wade. Yeah. Thank you. Um, it's so fucked up. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you're right. He puppet. Yeah, you got me. That just right there. That just nullifies my argument that he's not a puppet. Goddamn puppet. God, I hate to see it. Yeah. But something like that, that's something that I staunchly agree with Biden on that I could never support from the right, not in a million years, telling women or anybody what to do with their bodies. That's like saying, don't get a nose piercing or don't get tattoos or don't dye your hair or whatever, or don't get in shape or don't be fat. Do whatever the fuck you want. It's your body. It's your life. The idea that the government or anyone else could control that is absurd. Absolutely. I don't think we belong to the government. I don't think we belong to anyone. I think that, yes, there are policies made for the greater good of people, but they shouldn't overreach to the point that we're, we're getting down on people's physical bodies. That's wild. And there's so many. I don't, I don't even know how that topic Tell me your opinion so... on it politicized i mean it's it's i'm it's I, weird. first of all i'm complete agreeance it, it's it's okay it's so obvious that that and you're i just want to set this real quick i hate to interrupt but you're a religious person yeah i'm absolutely least... christian i've been going to okay. church for with my family like ever i just just finished online church coronavirus friendly from home with my family and <laughs> and we we are definitely the black sheep in uh our church friend group for sure being liberal outspoken jewish background christians is not um not not easily welcomed me and my dad have had many <laughs> arguments with uh, his friends over the years and this is one that it's okay if you if you're morally if you you feel very strongly about how that how abortions should play out i think that that's a conversation worth having outside of the political field it's so it's obvious to me that the government shouldn't have a say right like if you want to yes if you want to be that asshole that 
stands outside Planned Parenthood and tries to convince people to do something one way. I mean, like that's free speech, I guess. Yeah, I don't, I don't agree yeah, it's with you're it. You're fucking right. But that don't if you you don't have to do it to your body. It's your right. Right. Your right to say that you don't right. want it for your point, family. It's your right to say it. I think there's just this. There's a total misconception within the common Christian community that we need to live in a Christian country in order to be good Christians. And I think that's absurd and mm, completely well um, opposite what any kind of biblical teaching would have said. You know, I mean, the all of the, all of the biblical stories set a Christian person within a government that completely disagrees with them. And none of them say, change the laws, change the the person in power take control you know rebuild the morality through the political system i think that's a red herring for a christian that's my hot take on that because i think you can have whatever opinion and come to whatever conclusion but it should be outside of a control mechanism through politics right like so well put i and i i just want to put it out there i'm not religious um I was raised Catholic. Um, my dad was an altar boy. He's pseudo-religious, I would call it, because when it comes down to conversations about religion, he's very staunchly, like, right Catholic, whatever the box of what it would be in politics would adhere to. But I wouldn't say he lives his life <laughs> as a good Christian. Yeah. And that's where, like, what you just said makes so much of a difference to me as someone who's trying to be from what i understand of christianity is it christ was the dude who right. talked about compassion and turning the other cheek and understanding people's opinions and oppositions and trying to focus on how you can be a better person or like you were saying how you can be a better christian outside of the scope of politics and law what you can do as a human being to be a better person yeah i mean there are and there's absolutely strict uh rules you could say in christianity or or um the way i think about it is like shortcuts it's like you're going to figure this out eventually you know you're, you're going to have sex with enough women and go you know what this doesn't fill the hole in my life and here's the shortcut just don't do it right like that that's how christianity works but it's supposed to or be, you might turn to dudes it's supposed to be transcendent <laughs> <laughs> to to the political system you give the caesar what is caesar's you know you pay your taxes whoever's in office is in office you do your part to say your bit and participate but it's not your the moral growth is a personal thing and i think that trying to extend that into the government is a complete mistake because it sends the wrong message to non-christians and it, it's just it doesn't it's the point is not to control the populace. And I think that religion faces that um, conflict over and over again, is that people outside from religion see it as a control mechanism. And I think at some point they're absolutely correct. Because if you're blindly following what anyone says without trying to become a better person and understand it personally and go through the steps yourself, then it is you are following a control mechanism. And if that control mechanism starts to try to control people through laws it's not going to work it's going to create backlash and it's it's missing the whole point so i don't know how abortion so, became i think i think the christian america has been totally bamboozled you know that somehow they've been convinced yes. 
that the only way to save America is to stop abortions when it <laughs> or the sheepy version of the Christian America. Yeah, because there are plenty of yes Christians like yourself who are independent thinkers. Yeah, I th- I I think um, I try to be independent thinker because I think you're, you're that's what you're called to be as a person is not is to engage do the right thing because you've experienced the opposite right you've you've experienced something horrible happen to you and you don't want that to happen to other people out of compassion not because it's some rote law somewhere and i think yeah all of our personality is based off of socialization and or at least a decent bit obviously there's a biological aspect and genealogical aspect to it but a lot of it is based off of um our experiences and you know having things happen to us that we didn't particularly like or seeing things that made us feel uncomfortable inside and then forming an opinion about that and using that to guide our decisions that we make further on in life right so so to tie it i know we're going to go to number two on the list but to i can see from your eyes but just to tie it back in you know religion and government and things and and cancel culture i think this this was like pre-wave of cancel culture but it was still a thing when everyone was trying to get in god we trust taken down off of dollar bills and stuff i don't to me that's not religion being in politics it's just a statement it's just a statement it's just like it's just like anything else any you know it's like trying to rewrite history Mm -hmm. that's a big part of what's happening right now instead of keeping history in existence and looking back at them and being able to say well this is what was bad about this or this was what was good about this and learn from it people want to remove the history altogether and i don't know if that is the way to to learn i don't think taking down gone with the wind is the way to say that this was racist i think the way to say it is that they mammy didn't get to go to the lady who played mammy i actually don't know the ad a patty mcdaniels mm-hmm. i know that from a nas song um patty mcdaniels got an oscar but didn't even get to go to the oscars doesn't mean the movie should be taken down it means that we should look at that and be like holy shit how could we live in a world where someone so fucking talented could not be allowed to sit in a room and receive award that she did receive just because the populace didn't want to see her in that room at the time, just because people are so vile that the physical geographical location in which her ancestors were born would make her somewhat, in some way, less at all. Just less. Less deserving. I think you tied it back well in the fact that... that cancel culture is kind of the same idea it's it's what we abhor about people saying abortion should be legal it's the same idea in reverse right or at least on the political spectrum reverse is that instead of engaging with a hard conversation that requires you to attempt to change someone else's mind and stand up to the moral high ground that you've created for yourself and going through that process of recognizing your hypocrisies and engaging with someone who's not going to like your opinion we're just going to make it a rule we're going to jump through all the pass all those hoops and say netflix remove it or we're canceling you or so and so needs to stop doing this or you know somehow setting up the same system of control that 
hijacks all the hard work of engaging with people that disagree with you. Yes. So just a way to disengage completely the arguments behind things. Mm -hmm. Rather, and on that note, you know, abortion, whatever, people have those rights. I have no problem if people want to sit around and say why they feel my sister is vegan and she feels we got in a huge argument the other day she feels so adamantly and so passionately in her heart and it matters to her that the death of animals by human doing is so so abhorring and it hurts her physically so bad that she needs to speak out in a very sometimes aggressive manner i can't say i was that great in my argument either but um that it, she just feels strongly about it. And I think a lot of the people who feel about abortion feel the same way. Right. They feel the same way about life, right? right? So some people, it might be hurting them to their core to think that that's a human life, whether supported by science or not, is is a whole different argument. But to say that that's a human life to you, what it means to you, you can't tell those people that they're wrong and that if they feel passionately about that, that that's wrong. Right. It, the, the, you can't, can't. The, the caveat is you, neither side should be making a law about it, right? Right. That it's, it's up Individuals. to those. If you want to, to be that person who disagrees with someone, what someone else is doing with their body, that's one thing, you know? But at some point, we have to recognize that we're i mean a giant country of varying people and either we want to live together or we don't you know and i think the result we it's so obvious that we get a huge bonus for living together with people that we don't agree on with everything but we get all the bonuses of what we do agree on and the things that we couldn't comprehend we're now getting from someone else doing and i think there's a huge pushback against that because it's too hard it's too hard to live with people that disagree with you but it we're, it's a complete loss of sight of all the things you gain. You know, it's the immigration issue. It's the abortion issue. It's the idea that someone who you don't understand actually has something to offer you in knowledge, in literature, in art, in, in uh, invention. And we used to uphold that. I, I don't even want to talk like that, that we used to this way. I think that we should celebrate in like in just a practical sense of what the government should do is keep everyone from killing each other <laughs> you know keep people yes. from bringing knives to each other while they figure out what they agree and disagree on and let the experiment run but keep the laws minimal to the point where only the necessary ones are getting involved the ones where you're directly influencing another person's lives versus the ones where you're deciding what to do with your own life. Mm -hmm. I think that's where, the, for me, the government overreach gets a little too crazy. Um, it starts attacking what you can do with your own body, your own life, your own mind, and things like that, versus what can we do to make a society where people aren't intentionally or directly hurting other people or negatively affecting other people. Sure, someone's opinion may bring down your day, and you could say that's negatively affecting you, but someone's opinion could also change your mind and positively affect you. Someone, you've said things to me that made me think, many things that made me think, oh shit, huh, I didn't see that side of it. 
maybe I should go do some more research and come back with an opinion that may still be the same or may change completely. And that's okay. It's okay to change your opinion. It's okay to learn. Right. And without that public discussion, without that kickback, without people saying, this is why I feel that way, you'll never learn anything. You'll never have the ability to change your opinion. So in canceling people immediately and just saying, fuck you, you're a racist pig, go die, you can't actually say why this is wrong. No one's ever going to come back at you and be like, oh, fuck me, I'm a racist pig, go die. I learned something from that. Thank you. <laughs> that was really prophetic. Thank you. but if you told me why i'm a racist pig and why i should kill myself you know i might be like well those are some good points i you know let me think about it probably not gonna go do that but right it's it's what something in there might touch upon how to change who i am yeah i think that's 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 exactly right because there's i think that like it's it's a big conversation with the systemic racism uh, viewpoint and i think that as i'm gonna say over and over again for as long as we're doing podcasts the truth lies somewhere in the middle i think it's it's self-evident that there are laws from a long time ago that are still in place because no one's bothered to deal with them that are affecting people's lives and they should be changed yeah and you could call that systemic yeah, absolutely. racism because they were racist laws when they're put in place and no one's fix them and they still affect and they people still today. affect people absolutely but it, at, it doesn't mean that society is racist it doesn't mean the government is actively racist but it does mean that at one point racist people put something into play that still ha- affects people down the line today yes there's there's a there's a history to where we're at and there is going to or there's work required to rectify the mistakes in the past and and, and like any human the society of america has made lots of mistakes in the past and so and the but the reverse scenario is that someone that when you're engaging with someone individually that you're not trying to change the system you're trying to change someone's point of view you're trying to open someone's mind to a viewpoint that they've obviously never really experienced and to do that the is not to do that you're going to have to try a little harder than just get aggressive and call them a racist pig because you're not going to change their mind and at the end of the day those people are the ones who are going to vote for the changes in the systemic problems that you want to see so there needs to be a shift in how we communicate about these things yes the system has flaws but i don't think we want to throw it out and start anew we want to fix it and to fix it we're gonna have to fix people and to fix people we're gonna have to first understand them and to understand them we're gonna have to listen to them and to listen to them we're gonna have to let down some of these black and white uh maybe the wrong duality to pick um (laughs) (laughs) views or the right one (laughs) or the right (laughs) at this point in time because people are making things so black and white or right and left Mm -hmm. Um, you said a word in there that I've just latched on to immediately exposure, Mm -hmm. exposure of ideas, right? So when you think about exposure ideas, you think about, I think about immediately different countries and different cultures, right? Some people just have never been exposed 
to to something to say someone from india who lives in a rural community um is gonna go to hell because they don't believe in jesus christ because they've never been exposed to it just makes no sense or vice versa to say that the white devils or whatever you know because they don't believe they believe in eating meat or whatever it is any number of topics but a lot of exposure is geographically related or at least used to be just like race is geographically related so to to fault people for where they were born or the ideologies or knowledge that they've been given because of the society that's around them because of the culture that they've been raised in mm -hmm. it's wild to me it's wild that people can instantly cancel you because of saying something that supports the ideas of where you're from or ideas that you were exposed to and not ideas that you weren't exposed to. Just like being exposed to the sun gives you melanin. It's so fucking crazy to me that exposure to something is instantly segregating. That's interesting because I think... Yeah, you you how how can you attack someone who hasn't known any better? And then and so then yes. the the question isn't will you just leave them alone? I don't think that's right either. I think you're, we're all trying to raise each other up and ourselves up. Or at least that that's my version of the ideal goal, right? Is that you're trying to expose yeah, That's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. And so it becomes about how you engage with that person you you don't understand and what your goals okay, are. Okay, so how do we engage with these people that we don't understand? How do we say to say, and I'm just gonna pick this out, sure. I have I have friends, um, well, I, okay, I have one friend who's Muslim, I don't wanna say friends, but I have one friend who's Muslim. This is not his ideology, this is not the way his family thinks, but in certain Muslim cultures, Saudi Arabia, things like that, um, you know, the idea of women as lesser is is pretty available mm -hmm. it's regularly available so how do you say to a a young teenage saudi arabian boy um and this is probably the hardest one right because you're thinking in my head i, I want to think oh how does he not realize that men and women are equal that they should have the same rights that they should have the ability but a lot of it comes down to exposure, right? So how do we, from in your opinion, how do we teach this young boy what we know? How do we open up a light so he can see, hey, maybe this is what these, in our country, this is what women say they feel. Mm -hmm. Or this is what women who have escaped that culture have expressed how they feel. Because he's not exposed to those ideologies. Well, that's a pretty extreme um, how do you, example. You, Micah, how do you teach good... him? I know it's a hard one, but and especially because I'm asking a, a you know, Jewish Christian person, <laughs> how do you how do you tell someone? <laughs> I just want to tie it back in. Um, how do you tell someone your opinion without? And I'm guilty of it too. Like in my this argument with my sister the other day, I'm guilty of getting aggressive about a topic based upon my side rather than just laying out the facts or the education or the, my opinion of what I know, what I've researched, what I've seen. Sure. How do we how do we stop there? How do we stop at education and not get to argument? 
Mm. Or not even argument like because dogma. argument's good. You argument's don't want debate, but dogma violent. Yeah, violent, sure. Yes. I think I've been struggling with this for a while because I've been thinking about Yeah, me too. About like first principles. Like what arguments can I set my arguments upon and know I have concrete ground? Because I think at some point you're deep in a disagreement and you're like, I don't even I know why I'm fighting, but I, I don't have a good footing for the direction I'm going per se. And maybe you do, maybe you don't, but it, it I wanted to I've been thinking about how to make that more solid, right? And the harder I search for kind of like concrete ideas and words to set my other ones upon with confidence, the more I find the 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 failure of words, you know, that that how they're so constrained that your conversation's always going to be limited to contrast. And so I think the first step is a level of humility, you know, a complete humility on your part that, you know, I don't get this kid from an end. This kid is a person, Absolutely. right? That, and that, and that immediately opens the door beyond just words, right? Words are just one avenue of, of conversing, I think. And I think limiting ourselves just to written words in spoken words and like trying to come up with the best argument that somehow passes through all the biases is a danger because it's certainly something that you can improve upon and make uh make your arguments better and more skillful but at some point you just have to okay kid and he's has a, a historical bias against women being inferior to him is i think you know the the Jesus version is you just treat women around you as equals, and if he's looking to you, he sees a a man he's never seen before, right? All the other men he's seen have acted this way, and so to expose him to a man who acts in a completely new way, that's exposure, right? And that's and that's so that's their I think that's being a role model is by far the best form of doing that. And at some point... Okay, so rather than telling this kid why, what he thinks is wrong, mm -hmm. you're saying show him a new way and express some light so that he can see for himself that it's wrong. Or right, he may not change his mind, but instead of just telling him emphatically, you're wrong and this is why women deserve, they're equal, they're just people. Just like everyone else, it's crazy that any person's different. You're nutso for thinking that, bro. You know, go fuck yourself. You're saying, hey, how about instead of that, I let him shadow me for a day. And I just let him walk around and see that um, I just treat all people like people. Yeah, and I think that's, that's a much harder calling than to coming up with the best argument Definitely. you know you can write a book that is your best argument for a particular point of view but it's a whole nother ball game to try to implement it and i think and I'm, I'm not saying i'm not at all against having these conversations obviously i think it's it just has to be put out there that the main form for action is how you treat the people around you every day every moment period and then i think the conversation is on top of that it's kind of us having a shared reconciliation of how we perceive the world and how we've acted in the world and yes i can see you want to say something so so when we spit out these arguments does it devalue our opinion when we attack someone for not feeling the same way about an issue that mm -hmm. we do 
when we attack them, not try to educate them or anything, when we attack them, does that devalue our argument for that subject instantly? Does it discredit it just a little bit? Because instead of saying you should have compassion for this issue, right, even if it's unreal, you should have compassion for women. Me being a dick to you is not being uncompassionate against women. You're a young man, so it's not relevant on that issue. But it's not being compassionate towards everybody. I think, yeah, I think are. you definitely, you, you, you have to set up rules of engagement when you get into a conversation. I think that's something that is, um, it's kind of like the whole consent issue. You know, no, it's not romantic to ask consent per se. It should be, but I think it's certain, not sexy. It's certainly not. It's to like settle down and like <laughs> write out the rules. It's like, it's more nuanced than that. And everyone gets that. But there still has oh, to I be. Oh, I carry a... a pocketbook around with me. Yeah, and I think I think Will the way you just you... <laughs> sign here at the bottom that says, "When we started this night, you were feeling." <laughs> exactly. I think I think that's that's exactly it. Is that is that this little kid has expressed views that you disagree with, and you feel a pull in your heart to try to change his mind, right? To do the best you can. Mm-hmm. And I think setting up your own rules of engagement first is really the trick, right? It's not in consent and in consent with communication it's not that you sign a you sign up rules between the two of you openly per se it's more of you set up your own rule set that you're going to abide by so you oh i love you it. sit down with a girl and you say i'm not gonna push this until i see x y and z and you make that you don't have to she doesn't have to agree that you've already raised the bar for yourself right and so with the boy it's the same thing as i'm not going to attack his parents it's his parents I'm not going to call him an idiot or to attack his religion. That's his religion. But I can I it's it's my it's my obligation to treat women how I see it, not how his family sees it. And so it's your responsibility mm-hmm. to set a set of rules for yourself before you engage in any sort of argument, most especially if you're passionate about that argument. Right. Here's the set of rules I'm gonna put upon myself parameters so that I don't get so passionate that it goes over the point of educating or making my point across, putting my point across. Yeah, and then with those, you can, you can get passionate. You know, like me and my dad have, my mom hates it because we get in these heated debates and we call them debates. She calls oh, it me and my dad too, but we've set up the rules, right? Like I've set up that I respect him. He's my father. I don't, no matter what, I don't hate him. And, and more importantly that I'm going to take this idea as far as it goes for the sake of the idea. And he says, I'm going to yeah. do the same, you know, and we get in the weeds for sure. But we've set up those engagement that those rules in our, in our head that that it isn't about each other it's about the idea we're arguing about the idea you know i love that because me and my dad are the same way we get heated we get deep down on some topics we fundamentally disagree on a lot of things and so my mom calls me the other day and me and my dad are in an argument and she's and i'm she's like what did your dad do to you why are you guys arguing you know no mom this is just we we both agreed to this conversation when we sat down to have a conversation about something that we fundamentally oppose on we were aware that we were going to disagree when starting this argument Mm -hmm. and we've set that parameter as part of the conversation that we're having that we're willing to disagree and we are willing to accept that we might at the end of this have zero resolution 
but the point of the argument is to attempt to shed some light on our side so that maybe we can slip in just just a little bit of reasoning for our point and maybe even if there's no resolution they might take the other person might take away something i had a teacher um in spain i had this like communications class and you know that noise chart right um the chart of communication where there's there's like a sender and a receiver and on the outside there's noise and things right so the whole end of the class like the entire year was to come up with a definition of what the communication model means right and at the end of the year he graded us you know on a one to ten scale of how well we took the pieces together and eliminated noise and and talked about it and his his argument he, he had a lot of agreement with what i had to say but his counter argument to me was that the full communication model requires sending information with the idea of being understood so not just sending information out that says everything you want to say but with the idea of being fully understood so you have to actually eliminate the noise eliminate mm. all this background data so that you can actually be understood by the person yeah, it's kind of like when that... you yell something to your to your sibling, and they're like, "What?" and you yell it again, oh, which we and they're like, "No, I heard you. I don't understand." And you, you're just like, "But, you know, hand me the salt." Oh, you know, it's like you got to find the, the. It it matters what words actually align between the two of you with a shared understanding. Because if you're just saying exactly what you mean in your own language, it's bad communication. <laughs> right. Right. So that's how like two people of a different language could still communicate with each other is you have to put it across in a way that the other person could somewhat understand what you're saying whether they agree or disagree with any of it you can't put it so much in your own view in your own frame or state of mind that it it, it can't even be understood it's not relatable mm. it's so specific to you yeah yeah you have to set up that, a, that like a, share, a shared space where you can communicate you can figure out those kinks before really getting into whatever you want to talk about. You first have to open that line of communication and verify that you're speaking the same language to some degree. And Okay, so to summarize, we are now going to set up a set of rules for ourselves so that we govern um, a set of principles so that, you know, at the end of the night, if we're going to get laid, we're not forcing it upon the other person, right? right? We're getting our consent. So we're setting a set of rules or placing a set of rules, setting a set sounds ridiculous. Placing a set of rules to limit ourselves so that we're fully understood and that at the end of the day, the other person is able to have consent. Yeah, I think, and the next part is being vulnerable and sharing those at some point and some, uh, not doesn't have to be explicitly, but I think you set the rules that you agree with and that you can live with, right? Like at the end of the night, if this happens, I can live with it because it's within my own moral standings that I've set. You know, it's just between you, myself, me and myself, I know I can live with this. And then you become vulnerable and you say, hey, you know, like somehow you expand that to the other person as you share the relevant parts 
for the moment of of in the consent scenario you know like you've told yourself that if they get pissed drunk you're not going to sleep with them right or something like that and and they right. and you're drinking your you're starting to get to that point where you're like okay I don't know how this is going to go and then you share that right is that you already know that if we have another round like I'm going to have to go home after this but I've been having a great time and then you can have that discussion but it's already you've already set up the rules for yourself so you know where you stand and before you're crying. before you're drunk <laughs> certainly yeah so that the little man isn't just like pointing north right or if you're talking to someone times. you disagree with you already know you're not going if you call them if you hit this certain level of anger, you're 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 calling it quits on the conversation because you're it's calling not it quits for the night. Yeah, it's not if going you, anywhere anymore. See, I need that. Uh, this is good. I like this. This is something I struggle with. I think we all struggle with, but I like setting a parameter of where you're willing to go in this conversation and where it becomes aggressive and where it becomes violent. And saying, if I get to this point where it becomes violent or aggressive or anything in the manner. That's when we stop. We'll come back another day. You know, I'll cool down. I'll come back another day to come rationally explain the points that I'm trying to do. Like like this argument I had with my sister. I went past the point of parameter and I went heated. Right. And I didn't get any of my points across. I just looked like a fucking dickhole. Yeah. That's what it really came down to. In the end, you're trying to make an educated point that supports something that you wholeheartedly believe in. And I think she kind of, you know, we, we hashed it out and we we're totally good, but she kind of felt the same way as we both got so passionate about our own arguments that we forgot that there's a point where you're no longer, you know, making your side look good. Mm-hmm. You're making your side look bad right. by being an asshole. You're discrediting your own points by being aggressive. Yeah. By ignoring the other person's opinion I think that in my in my mindset that's like you you have to recognize the other person as a soul and as soon as that soul is less important than your little idol of an idea of your understanding right now and you've lost the humility that you could be wrong or that you might not be seeing all of it and that you're trying to have a discussion it it's it's certainly damn it's it's what's the word i mean it's damaging it's no longer doing what you even you set out your principles and you're no longer achieving them because you you know and so that's that for yourself not because of cancel culture not because of a societal you've crossed some line but because you are no longer reaching your end goals right like you set some you set forward a goal of like i disagree with veganism maybe i can describe that to my sister and it's no longer about veganism. It's about that time she slapped you in fifth grade, and you're like, "Yes." I'm, now it's all just that's one, where I got one big mess, and you're no longer achieving your goals. If you didn't explicitly set that out for yourself as a limiter, you can totally get lost in that. People do it all the time, and there's no reason you sh- wouldn't get lost in that unless you had set some kind of self boundary. And I think that's what society so is supposed to do, right? Is kind of set forward a a collective principle on how on what those things you should be aiming for are but then we want to stop there when really you have to take that that story let's say that that narrative of the hero called society that did good for everybody and then apply it to yourself and pick out what actually works for you and what 
you need to work on and what you totally disagree with and, and internalize your own narrative of what kind of person you want to be. And society is supposed to set forward some kind of like John Doe version of that for everybody, right? Don't kill people should probably be part of your, but it's going to get it wrong because it's so homogenous over the entire populace that you have to take right. that next step and that decide. At some point you might see someone raping a little girl and you need to shoot him in the face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That you set up your own, your own system at like, I actually don't believe that marijuana does anything bad and I'm willing to stand for that. Even if it's against the society, you know, that's that. So let me, yeah, go for it. Let me throw this in the wind. Cause it, and tell me if this is what you're saying. The idea is bigger than the argument. Can that be parameter number one for any conversation or debate that we need to have? The idea that we're trying to get across is bigger than the argument. When the argument becomes bigger than the idea, that's when we stop and come back another day. I think the I think the person is bigger than the idea. The relationship is bigger. So the than the person the idea. we're talking, our compassion for the person we're talking yes. to, and then is bigger and then definitely than the, the idea, idea that we're trying to get across to them. Yes, I think it's person, then idea. And when I and say argument, argument, I don't mean the point. I just I mean argument as in the spat at this point. Yes. Yeah. I think any good relationship comes to that realization that the you're going to disagree, and at some point the whole the whole marriage or the whole relationship is probably more important than disagreement. And sometimes it's not. But even in that scenario, even when you got to get a divorce with someone over your relationship because it so doesn't work, you still have to recognize the person as a person above any idea or ideal you hold for yourself. Is there still another person? But I person? think that realization, that recognition um, often comes afterward, right? Yeah. Like afterward, I was like, dude, I would, man, I'm a huge dick. That went way past what I was trying to say. Um in that, so if we're setting these parameters, which I, I just want to keep honing on because I, I like the idea that you came up with of, of setting a parameter before we have an argument. If we're setting these parameters, most of the time it's hindsight that we realize, man, I love that person way more than I care about this idea. Mm -hmm. Way more. And so I shouldn't have gone to that level. So we need to do that beforehand, before we step into any conversation that could be controversial right and i think that, that just and that works on a bigger model established. that works on a bigger framework too of um i'm all for putting the confederate statues into museums instead of having them on display as some kind of great achievement but at the same time that there's a the history is in the 2020, 2020 you know you look back and you go oh wow they really screwed up you know the, the way we were doing things was not good what can we learn from that? You set up your parameters and you go forward. And so you don't want to... Not to delete them completely. Not to delete them, but... But to keep them as an available resource. Right. Right. To recognize where we went wrong, where we went right. How does this figure in history put us down a path to where we came today? And how did they make us realize something that we were doing that is, is just fundamentally not what we believe in so when it comes to taking down these statues, and i'm all i'm all for yeah put them in a museum i mean there's no reason for you know confederate soldiers or flags or whatever to be glorified in a scenario but i also don't think that the people who want to just tear it down and erase it are doing any justice i think you're you're better off 
even if you keep these statues sitting in place, you're better off going and sitting and having lunch in front of a statue and being like, boy, did this guy have it wrong. And this is why. Instead of just being like, fuck him, sledgehammer time. Right. I mean, it's a really hard conversation because me and my mom have had this discussion a bunch because, I mean, my 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 grandma was in like a, a boarding school one of the infamous like removed native american culture boarding schools and there's a lot of like mm. continued anger you know like genetic anger towards that because we were wronged you know like my we don't know our language because it was beaten out of my grandma and so like so when i tell my mom you know have compassion have this you know like we, we gotta listen to both sides she's like no fuck them all you know, like, <laughs> like yeah. the hell with everybody. Well, like, if if you if you're racist, you go to hell. And I'm like, and it's a really hard conversation because because I have zero interest in denying people's emotions, right? But I have, I want to aim beyond the initial spat. Right, I want to aim towards the idea and towards the end goal relationship. And the end goal relationship is to understand each other, and to stand by our values that we would like to be treated by. You know, treat your neighbor like you like to be treated by. Would you want them to knock over a statue that you did agree with? No. Let's just not. You know, like it's just like it's that simple. You want no matter how right, bad we can get it to is, the point where the community votes on right. The issue. You got it. You want to stand by your values. So you're such a unique person, and I want to say this in just like, you know, genealogy terms, and there's a couple of things I wanted to ask you because of it. You're Jewish and you're Native American. You have half equal parts of two cultures that were viciously, viciously attacked. Probably the two cultures, in my opinion, who've had the most horrific historical events certainly to their name there's certainly right? standings yeah. but do you yeah but do you i mean i mean there's a lot of different things but two of sure i mean if you look at the genocide of native americans and the genocide during the holocaust of jewish people i mean no one could argue that those are two not saying they're the two worst but they're two of the worst yes. there's no way you can deny that so do you come into life with the chip on your shoulder saying this happened to my people and this happened to those people and because of it you know they owe us something we, we you know i'm owed some sort of retribution some sort of um acknowledgement that these things happen to my ancestors and it, it it, it's passed down it's passed down history from my parents it's never again right right so i'm owed some sort of a bit of anger like if i'm angry about this it's because this happened to my people and i deserve it or do you come in the situation as like boy am i so lucky that i'm part of two cultures that were so harshly affected that i actually have a unique perspective on how culture in the past could be treated so poorly but still not let it bleed into how people actively affect me today and actively interact with me today i think it's been a it's been a, a 
a personal growth thing for sure i think most of certainly most of my high school college years was very much a chip on my shoulder you know the more i learned about how wrong things had been you know i was oblivious up until high school probably other you know like as far as like the the depths i just knew immediate family history and right and stories passed stories on. passed on but as i as i i as i encountered how evil some of the things were as a as an adult it was it was really i mean i was totally filled with anger and i think and and in that way i can have compassion for people that are filled with anger still because i it's like the abortion thing it's like the you can't mandate someone get over it you know you have to you have to just support them to get there and that that's a real that's a but but bring it back to me is that i don't know i don't know when the the change happened exactly but i reckon i recognize that that i i'm the i'm the the tip of the iceberg going forward you know that that all these things are like the arrow behind me and i'm the arrowhead moving forward and and in that light i have to steer all of that anger energy somewhere and it can either aim myself and the people around me towards destruction or i can aim it towards a better version of how i'd like the next people see it because i can't fix the past and i don't want to deny the past and i still feel angry about the past but it so it becomes a more a question of where do i do i want to be a puppet to my own anger or do i want to channel that towards something and that yes. totally changed my because i don't think you you don't want to deny the hardship personally or externally you want to aim it but you have the unique ability to recognize the hardship but also recognize that that's not necessarily the way things are and that if you perhaps harbor onto these feelings as if you know because this is the way things were that it's the way things will continue to be instead you can kind of pierce through the mold that says you know people aren't racist to me i actually don't know i want to ask you have you ever experienced racism micah i mean i'm obviously i look like a italian person or you know some sort of shade of tan white so i i've never experienced any sort of racism in my life i would have you i that you is there ever a point or a memory that sticks out in your mind where i was like where you felt like damn that person was being racist to me not in a comedic sense right, obviously right. because people joke around especially because you're jewish you know <laughs> people joke around about shit i mean there's yeah jokes, yeah but i don't know that I don't... necessarily it's in a harsh you know in an evil tone versus a comedic tone i know you as a person that's very good about separating uh, at least as long as i'm in the later parts of our friendship known you to be able to separate comedy from someone's true feelings and and i i think that comes with knowing each other over time because like we did not get along just to set that out there for everyone no, we when not. we met we didn't get along at all and uh, i'm a very comedic person you know that's one way i'm very it, for sure yeah you like to push <laughs> people's buttons and see how it, how it goes but 
Yeah, absolutely. Good. I like to push the envelope. Absolutely. And I've, I I've don't associate with racism. Never been racist. I don't care who, what you believe in, whatever. But I like to push, I like to push the envelope and I like to tease and just see, you know, like how can people separate what, how they know me as a person. Cause I would say that my friends who know me, like you, people who know me really well know that I'm like the softest person on the inside. Yeah. You're soft, but I'm you're a, also totally I'm a irreverent. breakdown crier. You're irreverent. And I, I yeah. respect that. I would consider myself irreverent too, that if it's funny, it's funny and you're going to say it. And I guess going yeah, back to absolutely. your initial question, I don't... I like funny. Comedy is everything. I I think comedy is the antithesis of cancel. Absolutely. It's the ability to recognize that what you're saying could be controversial, but the intentions behind what you're saying are really just to make people smile, lighten up their day, have some fun. Even if it's potentially at the expense of someone in a joke that those people as long as you make fun of everyone first of all including yourself right. comedy you're engages one of those people who can make fun those, of yourself comedy engages with all those preconceived notions you know it plays with them yes. it dances around it them it plays with them it teases at yeah. them it it accepts the idea that we don't believe these things to be true all of these things to be true but we know that they're out there right there are ideas these are that stereotypes are that exist around. And they're comedic, mm-hmm. and this is my touch on it, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, like I just got back from Thailand, and I can say that they're positively terrible drivers. <laughs> like, you have to dodge. I swear to God. Well, they use the horn. The horn is the turn signal. There are no... T- I mean, physically, the cars have turn signals. I never saw one flashing light the entire time. People honk. To let you know that they're coming over or that they're going to pass you or whatever. So can I say that they're terrible drivers? Yeah, I can. But does that mean that I think Asian people are terrible drivers? No, it just means that from where I come from, that's not the way we do it. But that's the way they all do it. And it's just recognized. It's just a way of driving. Yeah. The the horn (laughs) is the turn signal. Now I know. If I ever make it out of this country... To use my left horn. drive on the left hand side of the road the horn is the signal i don't know that about all of asia this is just thailand and indonesia it's the only places i drove but they get down on some horns which at first slightly bothered me i'm not a horn person i don't know if i've ever honked my horn i'm sure i have at some point but i i can't i can't like specifically think of an event where i did until that trip because you you, 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 you don't to. want to get Sounds murdered like you, you have to, to. You have to absolutely have to well i don't think i've ever gone going way back yeah going back to if you after me being racist have you ever experienced racism <laughs> um I, I don't think i've ever i've never faced like direct the closest i've had several scenarios where uh sitting in a classroom maybe native american stuff comes up and you get some piece of shit that's like yeah well they they were conquered people so they got you know that that's just what happens to conquered people and i had you know and most people either you know i had to make a decision about what my response was was i going to be the token native in the classroom and 
get, you know, all feisty about it, or was I just gonna sit there quietly? And I think I've done both. I don't, but I don't think I've, I've, I'm lucky to sit in a place of privilege for sure. I, you know, my, my parents have done fine. So you've never I'm, felt directly attacked. Yeah. I've never for, felt for your race. I've never felt direct. You've heard attacked. people, you know, adjacent to you saying things that were potentially racist against your people, but you've, you know, or even just ignorant to how you might feel as someone being in that room of that race but not that they were trying to attack you personally or make you feel little yeah no i don't i don't think so i i think um no i mean i in this in this day and age i have the upper hand you know if i play the native american jewish card most of the time people are going to shut the hell up You're like it's Hawk Lowenstein, bitches. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> but I I recognize that, that that's pretty, you know. I'm a I'm light skinned. I don't you know. I'm not a dark skinned person. I think they have it a, a lot. No, you look like Keanu a lot Reeves. different experience being so obviously other to the to the predominant white culture, which is changing. But no, I have. So you think it's partially monetary and largely that your physical appearance doesn't immediately say i'm other or not even other just one of these disenfranchised historically disenfranchised peoples yeah i think it's both i mean i think i i'm not in a dangerous scenario you know like i'm not or or in a in a place where that's even a a worry for me right because i'm not if I was on the res, it'd be a total. I'd probably be bullied by the people on the reservation for being so white. You know, I think that. <laughs> so I'm 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 in the city. I'm not on a reservation, and I also am a light skinned You know, I don't look. I look like I'm from maybe a different country. Like I'm not like the. I'm. I am not the classic six foot tall like blonde frat boy, but I certainly don't. Um, I don't broadcast being some foreign ethnicity so i've never had to face that my mom's faced it a bunch because she's dark-skinned and you know people have told her to leave the country people have told her you know like why people like, have are told you her leave the country oh yeah and so i think what I, was her response this is hey why don't you leave our country shit i'm sure she <laughs> that i feel like you i feel not works but i feel like that you know works more if you're talking about someone who wasn't like native to this land you know like if you're talking about an indian person you're like go back home it's like yeah. okay yeah you my your people migrated no my people are from here bitch you go as back far as home. i'm concerned everyone here is an immigrant the spanish the yeah, whites of course the mexicans just about everyone's an immigrant land bridges pangea the shit all busted up yeah so, everyone's an immigrant everywhere yeah so i i, I think um but yeah, my mom's faced it. And I so that seeing her face it and knowing how little I face it, it sucks. I just live in a little privilege bubble for sure. I mean, I'm middle class and I don't don't have the skin color. I, so I I've seen both sides, but personally, I don't face it that much. Like probably get made f- yeah, I mostly get made fun by my friends, but that's that's acceptable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we're the only ones with the right. The right. We've earned the it. The right. And you dish it back out. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, 
Have you ever experienced if anything? Racism, no, bro. Honestly, I've experienced bullying. I've experienced. You probably deserved. Feeling like an outcast <laughs> that I probably deserve. Somewhere down the line of karma, I'm sure. Um, but no, I've never felt. No, no one's ever been racist to me that I know of. If anything, the only time I ever had like the slightest bit of racism, and I don't even know if it's racism as much as culturism or whatever you would call it, is I like, uh, I was in Spain and I was on this bus and we were just going to this club and these, these like four English dudes just decided, they just heard me speaking and they just decided that I was a bad person immediately and they started catching beef. They're like, oh, you fucking love to suck Trump's dick and shit. Like you love him and blah, blah, blah. And, and I was like, whoa, dude, I was just like sitting on this bus and you heard me talk. Like, I don't go over to you. So that was the only time, but I also, they were drunk too. Yeah. So I don't even know. I don't know that they're bad people. Maybe they I were might just, have paid them to do it. I thought they were dickholes, but you know, that was the only time I ever felt like someone from a different culture um, or country like immediately came at me without me saying or knowing or doing anything about them just because of where I was from. Mm-hmm. And I think it might've just been some drunk assholes on a party bus. Right. So pretty much no i was like the thai people are stupid nice they call it the land of smiles for a reason those people are fucking really kind really well i'm amazed you came back yeah and even like even my time in oh yeah i'm surprised i came back too well that was a monetary issue more (laughs) more than anything but yeah I'm, i'm thankful i'm thankful i've never experienced racism because I could imagine that's hurtful. Just being picked on for anything is hurtful, the way you look in general, you know. I'm not also I'm not the six foot two bleach blonde hair, blue eyed frat boy. So You're not? you know. I've definitely been made fun of for my looks. Why? Well, because my mom's five five and my dad's five seven, so <laughs> <laughs> that'll do it. No love in the height genes, bro. Uh <laughs> But no. Lucky. Blessed as fuck. And also middle class. So, you know, never never been hit on the, the poor side either. I felt poor before, but just, just because of other people's privilege. Not because they made me feel that way intentionally. That was just my own, own feeling of being excluded from things that i couldn't afford to do yeah but that's really nothing to do with it okay number two dude i think we should save number two for episode number two considering we're already we're on two hours here we're on two hours holy shit dude time flies i feel like i rambled a lot but i kind of always do so i hope y'all get used to that Mike is uh, more concrete and, can you know, better about grouping his idea. I'm a bit of a rambler. But that's, I hope that in my ramblings, ramble. pieces of what I'm trying to get across shine their way through in some form. It's all anyone, it's all that can be asked of anyone. Pieces that come through. 
Okay, I want to do two more things real quick right. on cancel culture um, that also tie in with racism. And this is something I've been wanting to ask you, but I haven't asked you on a personal level because I knew that we were planning on doing this today. Yeah. And I wanted to save it. Um, how do you feel about, like, professional sports teams with, like, let's go with the Indians uh -huh. or the Chiefs or something like that? Is that racist? Does it make you, does it feel racist to you? Because I have zero w way to have an I have no opinion on it. I don't get to have an opinion on it, right? Because it's just irrelevant. I don't even like sports other than MMA. Like, if it's not fighting, I, I really don't even care anyway. <laughs> yeah, so, I, I think it's absolutely racist. I mean, I think it's, it's, uh, I don't, I don't think it's, it's a relic from a past time. And it's just bonkers to me that someone wouldn't just change it. You know, that so much work has had to be put into, like, it's if you called it the the cracker league someone's gonna get pissed you know if you wanted to call it the i mean you i think the real yeah. i think the if real it was problem the Wisconsin with it crackers. Is, is creating a it i think the biggest form of racism any native american faces and I, at least that i've understood is that there's certainly stereotypes there's certainly active discrimination but i think what a lot of us feel and that this is me being a token native and really just my own opinion is that the whole issue is kind of swept under the rug and i think that is that is solidified by this kind of mythology around native americans as if you know they were uh the mammoths and saber tooths when we got here and now they're gone you know and i think that's that's the that's the kind oh, of damaging okay. so creating it as like making myth mythologizing mythologizing i don't know i'm not gonna i don't know what that Something word is like that but that's the real danger with with the redskins and with the braves is that you know we're not the bobcats we're not the tigers okay so now let me let me let me go there because you just brought up two good ones redskins braves to me just knowing like the logo redskins and the fucking name that one i can see is inherently racist right the image is is obviously super inaccurate and the name is disgusting but portrays what they're trying to portray in the image right that one redskins shit yeah that that i could see is just like being racist now the braves is it the image that's racist because the name Braves, like, Brave to me is good, right? Right. I played for the Braves. Well, I think... In my short, horrible, I'm the worst baseball player ever. But I played for the Braves. I think I hit, like, two balls in my entire career. Horrible. But Brave to me is endearing. It's a compliment. It's a good thing. I still... So to have an image associated with the name Brave... Uh, to me, I don't – and this is why I'm asking you because to me, it's not so blatantly racist. But obviously, like Redskins, Chiefs, those ones I could see as being blatantly racist, especially with the, the physical image and logo that's tied to them that's so inaccurately portrayed. Yeah, I think – I mean if it was on, if it was on its own – 
Braves Braves the word, I think it's all contextual, right? If you had a if you had a middle like a middle ages knight as your symbol and you were called the Braves, I I wouldn't waste a moment trying to tell you that was racist. Like it's something else. But it the the Okay, but let's say let's go on the other side. Let's say it was like a dude with a yarmulke and a beard and they were like the Braves. Well, I, is that racist? Yeah, I mean, I don't. Because I the think it's Jewish just, culture had to persevere through so throw much, like had to be brave and persevere through so much bullshit. Yeah, like I, is that racist or is that endearing? I don't think it's endearing. I don't think it's necessarily. I don't think it's like blatantly racist in the kind of, in a kind of like, evil, cynical uh, uh, way. But I do think it it's um. It sends the wrong message because there's no doubt that we are all permeable to the images around us and okay i think it sends the wrong message yeah like like kong flu <laughs> exactly right exactly it sends the message because i heard someone saying and i like i'm one of those people who's again never been a part of a disenfranchised group don't take things all that seriously in general in terms of words or like take things too personally um but someone who i i like and like um who is asian as a podcaster explained that when that statement was made people started giving him different looks Mm -hmm. after trump said kung flu people started feeling the right to look at asian people negatively yeah it put out the idea that this that even if the statement it's like calling it the wuhan virus is not racist right because that's where it came from but calling it kung flu is racist because it allows people to negatively associate with a race like it gives an excuse for people to be out there and be like yeah Kung flu, right? Like fuck it, these Asian you, you people. Put a costume on it, because now it's not the Wuhan virus, which is a location. It's now all of Asia. You know, it's the American vision of Asia and their flu. And I think the same thing could yes. be said about the Braves, or is that none of these things are costumes, right? Like, like the a, a yarmulke and a long beard isn't a costume. It's someone's identity or someone's culture, and so that like if if you were to make fun of that and then that's one thing right because you're in a framework of a joke but when you make it part of like a part of the cultural context where it your yarmulke and beard is nothing more than the symbol for a baseball team and is disconnected from the depth of history there that becomes a problem and the same thing because it opens the door to well, I'm just I'm not making fun of Jews, I'm making fun of the team, right? And it's like why even go there? Why open the door to that misinterpretation and that grouping that's inact that inaccurate oversimplified grouping. Okay, so by having that's great. Okay. That helps me understand it a lot. By having an image that's associated with a race or a people or something when negative things about that team come about, it opens up the conversation for negativity against the people or the image being portrayed rather than just the team itself. 
it's opening up conversation of we can start making fun of the Indians. Right. Right. And I think I think that's that's the real danger to me is that it, you just you normalize that that competitive conversation around the race instead of around what you're actually trying to do which is compete in a sports team right or you know like if a comedian had said kung flu probably wouldn't have been a big deal but the fact that our president who's supposed to represent all of the asian americans and all of america says it that's that's why it's a problem right is it's the context and then that he didn't back down i think that's a big problem with our president and politicians in general is that if you're a comedian, you get to say that and then talk your way out of it, right? You have the next 40 minutes to explain, well, you're actually not racist. You just thought this was funny. Well, that may be a part of the problem with his entire presidency <laughs> is that he was a comedian, <laughs> essentially, right? He was in every rap video, MTV, fucking reality TV show. He was a come- a, come- a yes, a real estate and billionaire and in business you know a figure as well but really a media figure as a comedian yeah in everything that he did and now he's like what's up bitches i'm y'all motherfucking president like he knows how to get let's views. do this on There's the no, world stage let's get to t- for sure is he knows how to get views he knows how to get good ratings on tv because you say something outrageous people will watch it a lot he's a superstar he's always been a superstar and now he's taking that the same recipe that made him successful in his the rest of his life and applying it to a job where it doesn't belong. Yeah. I think that's absolutely true. And we will Boy. I hope something happens. Something something changes with that whole the whole shebang. Not this yeah, this cycle. is a good segue because on the next, on the next episode, I feel like we could talk a little bit about that, about the polarizing figure, mm. and how even even if all of his policies were good, which I'm not saying they are. I you know we started this off by talking about one I so morally disagree with along with many others especially in immigration and and things like that but how having someone who even if all his policies were inherently good for our our country or good for our people that just the pure polarization of him as a figure just the fact that he makes people so heated means that he's not right for the job because he can't bring people together and he's in the position of the one dude who needs to bring everyone together. Right. Right. I think it's at some point you have to decide what you want from your president. You know, do you want does he's kind of proven that currently we don't care what the character of a president is, at least as a collective. Right. Some individuals might care. I care. But as we we were willing to vote in someone that from the get-go had a questionable character and i think i think well i think we vote in people that have questionable character all the time right but if at you least look at underneath what they're doing yes. and things but someone who's so openly questionable right so like has taken to social media to be like 
openly questionable. Yeah, about and, his and I think that it's has so, made it his questionable opinions public. I think that's in every and every dump he takes has to be. <laughs> I think that's the. I think my my offhanded thought on that is that it's a it's a result of our hyper idolization of our uh, what'd you call them? Um, not principles, but. Um, what what I mean, people are voting for the Supreme Court justice. They're suppo- they're voting for the person that's going to vote their bill in. They're voting for, uh, but they're not voting for the country, you know. And I think that's that's a really that's a really interesting kind of loophole in our current government system. Is that you're going to vote in a president who helps your political party push its agenda forward, not for someone who you want to represent even yourself you know and how do you rectify that because he's the image of our country it's unavoidable the president takes on the burdens of the people as the front man for our band you know and at some point your front man Makes could have a bad. great voice but is a fucking asshole you're gonna you're gonna suffer the consequences and so there's this gotta be that there's we have to start bringing that into conversation as who do we want as the face of our republic as much as what agenda do we want to push forward and that's a really hard i'm not saying that's an easy like have we not done that before that's a really hard balance to hit because the agenda matters and people are going to vote that way but well go ahead i think obama was sort of that figure whether you agree with all his policies or not which i i don't and a lot of them i do um, but a lot of them I don't, and a lot of the things he did I, I didn't agree with. But I do think he was able to separate his personal opinions and come out as the guy. When it came down to speak for our country, he made people feel a little bit warmer and at ease. Yeah. And that's part of his job. Yeah. Part of his job is to be someone who can bring us together. And even if you disagree with the action he's taking that he does it in a manner that makes people feel at least comforted that he's a person who thought about this decision ahead of time and the other countries you know and the the other countries interacting with the u.s interact with our president first you know that that's the image of our country from the outside and just like you know you could say who cares and it's the same in your own life. If you decide that your persona is going to be whoever you want it to be and to hell with everybody else, you, that, that ship only sails so far because you're just one person. You're just Oops. one country. And you're going to have to figure out how to balance that. You know, Are you going to be kind of likable sometimes and then when it really matters, step up? Or are you going to just always be an asshole yeah. in the name be of... Be you, but know a time and place. Yeah, yeah. If you have an opinion that is controversial don't say it in front of someone whose feelings it's gonna hurt yeah or just know you're gonna face the consequences i think Whoopi said that at some point she was like i don't care what you say you want to say the n-word say it say it just don't go crying that someone beat the shit out of you for saying it don't go complaining that you got canceled because you said the word you have every right to say the word if you want but you're gonna face the consequences yeah, expect to get slapped up. Expect to get slapped up, yeah. Well, so, God, and we'll save this for next time too, but that just makes me think about the police and just 
know, they should know that there are ramifications for their actions. Yep. But statistically and historically, there actually aren't. Statistically, cops aren't prosecuted for a majority of crimes they commit. Whereas any other person without a gun and a badge in that exact same situation would not only be persecuted, but prosecuted. Yep. For these purposes. And um, there needs to be accountability on that. Maybe we could... I don't know. There's a lot Join of things, us next but I'd like week to while touch we on unravel police. the government, break down social injustice, pin down the police as pigs and heroes, and reunite the country under one banner. All next yes. week. Yes, and please feel free to to comment on anything either of us have had to say and give out your opinions. And I'm just gonna say this: I would appreciate if people would give their opinions versus attacking other people's but do your thing get out yeah there. let's hear what we people discussed. think i want to i want to be able yeah. to respond to some comments and you know Me be too. respectful of one another you can tear into us all you like because we're already canceled thank you yeah for we're already joining. canceled bow bow i love it all right i'm gonna cancel this video cancel this feed stream here right too now <laughs> well Click. i'm gonna cut Cancel. the Sorry. cut the audio there but we can keep chatting i thought that went pretty well i thought that went great